This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Uh, well, hello again, everyone. You're uh, joining us for another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint podcast series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research. Uh, my guest today is uh, Mo Matheson. She's the chief human resources officer with Nike. And we're going to be having a conversation about talent attraction, development, and retention in a time of uh, changing employee expectations. I'm really excited for this conversation. Mo, thank you so much for joining me today. You're so welcome. It's great to be here. Just before we get too far into it, um, before the camera was rolling, I mentioned you know talent attraction, development, retention. In a real way, you've lived that story. You've been with Nike uh, something like 25 years. I... You started at one point and went up through the ranks. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been at Nike almost 25 years, not quite. Um, but I joined Nike straight out of my, my legal profession. I was an employment lawyer outside, and I came straight into Nike HR. And from there, I set up our employee relations department, started with two people, grew that to 20-something. And then from that opportunity, I moved on to HR business partner roles. I ran talent acquisition for a while. I ran talent and DEI. And then I took on the chief human resources officer role. I mean, it's been 24 years of growth, of stretching, doing new things, learning new jobs. Um, I really, I think that's the way you can stay at a company for as long as 24 years, because I don't think I've had two days that were ever the same. Um, and I tend to think that in this environment, when talent is moving around, I like to think that if we made the experience so compelling at Nike, even Gen X, Y, Zers might choose to stay. Mm -hmm. So I'm not giving up on the idea that people can stay with companies for a good long time, but you've got to make it compelling enough. I think that's fair. So let's get into the conversation. And um, I'll say for context that uh, you gave a, a keynote presentation a, a couple hours ago. It was fantastic about what Nike is doing during this interesting time. Um, so I want to hit some of those talking points. One of them was about getting the handshake right. And I thought that was such an interesting way of saying you know, they have expectations and we have expectations and how do we meet in the middle and how do we make that real? Can you expand upon that for us? Yeah, I mean, I think that at Nike, you know, we, we started with, let's be really clear about who we are. Like, what is distinctive about Nike? And when you're clear on what is distinctive about you as a company, then you can create really clear expectations of what the company can be counted on from the employee and then I think the other part that we haven't had as much conversation about in the past is what the employee then in turn is responsible for towards the company. So it's got to be this mutual um, relationship where both are counted on for something and they each have to give something. And so that's where we came up, you know, this analogy of it's a handshake. And when the handshake really works, you know, when you're really in agreement about what you're agreeing to, you have clarity. And so we're trying to create more clarity on, like as a company, here's what we owe you, employees, and employees, here's what we need you to do, uh, versus having a one-way conversation mm -hmm. where employees feel like they're just working for a paycheck but not getting any additional benefits or growth and development. That's not right. And by the same token, it's not great when employees are just demanding more and more of their employers, but they're not contributing in ways that are helpful to create that relationship that's mutually beneficial. So we're trying to strike the right balance. Um, and that's kind of the concept of the handshake that we're working on internally. 
And I think Nike is such a great company to have that like ongoing conversation with your employees because living the brand is a, a huge part of what you do. Um, I remember one of the things that you said is when people started coming back to the office, the decision was made to be more Nike than ever. And I'd be curious to know what did that actually look like in real terms for you? Well, being, being more Nike than ever, you know, starts with our values and it starts with the things that make us distinctive. And so if we just stay in that zone, you know, our values are team, innovation, serving athletes, and there are very specific parts of our business that are better done in person. And our culture really comes alive when we are spending time together. If you think of, you know, sport is our ultimate analogy and sport is done in, in person. person. Yeah. There's new sports being created. There's NFTs, there's the meta. I mean, so, so sport can be bigger than that, but at its core, you know, sport is an in-person event and, and that's how we think of it at work. You know, we, we're better when we're together. We certainly can be doing things apart. We can be successful when we're apart. We are stronger when we are together, which is why we've introduced a flexible work model that incorporates both in-person time collaboration time and hybrid, you know, remote time. We've got some pilots that are doing fully remote. And of course we have employees who show up in a physical location every day. Uh, but this flexible work model is, is really where most of the innovation is happening for us. Uh, but at its core, it has time together mm -hmm. because that's, that's really central to who we are and how we bring our mission and our vision to life. You mentioned a few specific examples and I want to get there, but you know, just while we're following up on the idea of um, we're moving into hybrid, we're doing pilot projects on remote work. You said something from the stage that I thought was terrific. We aren't going back to the way things were before. The new normal is here to stay and we're just figuring out what that's going to be. Um, how have you decided that trend is going to continue? Like where, where does the idea of we can't go backwards, we're going forwards, where does that come from? Well, I mean, I think the simplest way to think about it for me is like if five years ago I told you that we were gonna be a flexible environment at Nike and we'd have three days that you'd be in the office and two days remote. I mean, we would have had a parade mm -hmm. down Main Street in support of, look how progressive and flexible we are. It, it, there, it, we would not have been able to sell it. Mm -hmm. The idea that three years later, we are having a conversation about how flexible, how much are we gonna lean into that model? How much more flexible can we be? Um, how can we meet all of our objectives and have our culture be so alive with this flexibility being central to how we work with one another? Like the idea of pining away for what used to be a five day work week in the office where you could call your team together at a you know moment's notice. Like I think there's some romanticizing what it was like, but I think what we forget is it wasn't perfect before we had the flexible work model. We did have some flexibility, but it really wasn't equitable. Mm. It depended on the leader you had, the manager you had. Uh, some had access to flexibility, some did not. Uh, very inconsistent. So I think that you know there, there are some people who might want to romanticize it and want to go back, but I think the healthier way to think about it is we've instituted some change that is employees say they want more of it. I think it is enhancing our employees' quality of life and their ability to be productive, healthy employees. 
Um, so why would we not stay in that environment and learn as much as we can? We can't do that at the expense of our business, but I don't think we have to choose. No, for sure. Um, you've mentioned your employees have said, and another point that I thought you did beautifully in your keynote is you really do have year-long ongoing conversations of engagement and, and technology has sort of enabled you to do more than ever. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's one of the earliest investments that we made in technology as an HR organization, and it's taken us a number of years. Uh, but we've invested in a data analytics team, just people, data, and analytics, and we also have invested in technology. So that combination has allowed us to um, not only create an all-employee engagement survey annually and really mine those results for the insights and action on them. That was our first step. Um, but then we've been able to create these more flexible, pulsing um, sort of ways of touching base with our employees and getting feedback on a very frequent basis. Uh, we do that right now. We do it quarterly on just return to the office, future of work. We ask people how, it, how it's going and do they have what they need and how could we remove barriers. But there's also leaders who can do more ad hoc um, employee listening if they have a specific issue going on in their unit, for example. So it has become a very integral part of solving problems. And I was just in a conversation this morning about like we're, there's a problem we're trying to solve and it's interesting because the solve being offered isn't supported by the facts. Mm. And so those are the moments where you wanna make sure you're sort of bringing the facts to bear on the issue and the solution. And with a few facts and some good intuition, that's usually like the right zone to find your answers. But I'm just finding the facts to be so helpful in getting us out of the sound bites or the anecdotes. Absolutely. Um we have a lot of conversations about data management and you know getting actionable information in real time that you can actually make informed decisions. It sounds like Nike is uh, is hitting that sweet spot, so that's wonderful. We're trying. <laughs> we're trying and we're learning. So we've talked a little bit about understanding your people. We've talked a little bit about uh, trying to meet some of their evolving needs. Um, leadership development is a thing that I know you're doing a, a lot of innovative work on and also uh, attracting different kinds of leaders into your organization. Can we speak about that? Well, the, the leadership commitment is, you know, I'd say in the development space is predominantly leadership development with a healthy dose of uh, making sure that our leadership team understands Nike's current business model, and that is end-to-end. -end. Mm -hmm. We have, at the same time we went into the pandemic, we introduced a very significant reorganization, the most significant reorganization we've had in 20 years. So we have changing dynamics external, we have a lot of internal change as well. And so as our leaders are dealing with all that change, we're making sure they're equipped from a leadership standpoint, but we also really need to educate them on our end-to-end -end business and make sure that we're not running silos or function-heavy um, organizations at a time when the end-to-end -end horizontal piece is as important as anything. And so in our leadership development, we're, we're really emphasizing the end-to-end -end business model, the value of collaboration, inclusive leadership and the expectation that our leaders develop and invest in their people. So some very core principles that are very relevant right now. We're also finding that with this transformation, the business transformation, we have new leaders coming in from new sectors. Mm -hmm. um, much, many more tech experts are coming into our organization. And so we're finding that we also need to make sure we take the time to understand what they're bringing and make sure they understand the culture we're a part of and that we're finding that 
sort of middle ground or handshake, if you will, that works for those new leaders, but also works for our culture. I was having a conversation earlier today where someone says, you know, if you're the employer of choice, there isn't a talent shortage. Um, and I think Nike mm. walks that you know, line very well where people want to work with Nike and it sounds like you're really committed to trying to understand what people want and, and help them get there. Um, tell us about, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, uh, women of Nike, sorry, women in Nike program. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I know you've got a couple of others that are actively seeking out groups that, you know, this is an opportunity for them to grow from one thing into another. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, well, I would say we 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 like to think we're an employer of choice. We're very self we're very self critical, and we we do find a lot of people want to work for Nike. But I think I think you really have to constantly reset and raise the bar. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we have um, been working very hard to make sure that we remain a an employer of choice. We remain a very um, a very exciting place that the best talent wants to come and where they choose to stay every day. That's a big piece of our, our value proposition for, for our talent strategy here. And, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about the women in Nike and the Serena design crew. And I think what's so important about both of those programs is neither one could we go out into the marketplace and buy the talent. Like it's, it is talent we must have. We have the, one of the largest design staffs in the world uh, across industry. We have an enormous design staff and we know that diversity in design is the way that we will serve our consumers best. And yet it's very difficult to find diverse creative design talent. And so we had to go to places that are unusual. And that's why the relationship with Serena was so impactful because she sees the same thing. She wants to be part of creating a healthy flow of diverse designers working for Nike and other brands as well. She wants to see it in the fashion industry. Um, and so it was, such a, um, it was such a great idea. And then what we did is we created a process where we opened it up and we worked with community-based organizations, like I mentioned, um, Harlem Fashion Row, and we worked with community colleges that had design um, studies. We made sure it was visible to our field athletes, and it's sort of an open call. They submit applications and portfolios, and they would select the group. We run them through a combine, and they get heavy, heavy apprentice development as they're working with us. And in the end, they get to create an apparel and a footwear line for Serena. Mm. So it's very developmental in nature. And even the designers who come through the combine that don't end up working for Nike, they can go have amazing careers working for some other fashion brand. And we're happy to be part of that process. Um, of course, we also want amazing diverse <laughs> designers coming to Nike. And it will be, like I said, over the next five years, we anticipate 50 plus right. diverse designers joining our design function, which is fantastic. And if we were just to go out in the marketplace and try to find that talent, it literally doesn't exist. Broadening and deepening the talent pool is good for yes, everybody. for everybody. And, and it was an athlete like Serena who really helped spark the idea. And, and we we're so happy to work with her. Um, the women in Nike is, is different in the sense that it's not single function. Mm. Like these women come from all different schools. They come from different, you know, they have different degrees. And they are right now being seeded into our product organization uh, primarily. But there's also marketers um, and a few other. I'd love, I'd love a WNBA player in the HR organization. So I, I'm going to have to find out if anyone's got that kind of a profile. But that is more general. And we give them two years. 
So the apprenticeship was to run a design crew six months, and then we convert to bring in. This is a two-year commitment where we will give them multiple experiences in the corporate environment, uh, developing them along the way, but also giving them visibility to what's possible. Because if you think of a big company like Nike, it's hard to know what jobs exist. And so they get to see many different parts of the organization at the end of the two years. They then get to choose, and it depends on, of course, what we have open, but then we pair them into an organization and off they go. And we've already had a couple who have received promotions into director level roles. So we just know it's a very rich pipeline of talent, highly diverse. Mm -hmm. And the idea of us being able to bring in, you know, as many as 150 diverse women um, from outside into our organization in five or 10 years, they will be our leaders. And I mean, that's incredibly rewarding to think about being on the front edge of that kind of investment. And I think most organizations are trying to do better in that space, yeah. and you've really found a, a, a solution that's working for you. Is, <laughs> is, is, there, is there something from Nike's experience that uh, you would suggest other organizations uh, experiment with or try? Well, I do, I, I do think that you know, this WNBA really works for Nike, of course, because we're sport and they have an affinity for the brand. I know there are other brands that are also tapping into athletes, um, whether they're Olympic athletes, um, whether they're, you know, men and women, because they have often such strong teamwork. Um, they are incredibly dedicated to their craft. Self-motivating. Yeah. yeah. So there's attributes that are very transferable from a sport into a corporate environment. Um, and so I do know that there's other brands that are looking at the, the sports world as a place to draw talent. Um, I, I just, I, I guess I would, I would think that most brands should sort of start with like what is authentic to who they are and find out if there are adjacent talent pools um, that could create that sort of connection and long lasting um, sort of flow of interest and passion because you know, I was talking to one of the participants and, and they were just saying their company is very different than Nike, but the comment was like if the values are lined up and the and the the business is exciting and you're passionate about it, like that's the perfect match. Right? I mean it doesn't have to be Nike. Nike's not for everybody, but if you find that values match and something you're excited about, the handshake's gonna work mm. and then it's it's amazing. So you have to spend enough time to know who you really are and what you're offering to make sure that that is like a good match. I've got one more sort of topic area I want to address. And you said from the stage, you know, technology is sort of the future of HR. Everyone's going through a transformation of one kind or another, but you're not quite where you want to be yet. Things are coming. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to expand upon that for us. Well, <laughs> it's coming, meaning we have got a go live date in the summer oh. with a second go live date probably by the end of the calendar year. So like it is imminent and oh, I'm good. thrilled. I'm thrilled that we have the investment and we are ready and we have a, we have a really good plan. Um, I do think technology is a huge part of the HR transformation. And at the same time, I do know that as much as technology will bring, there are many aspects of human resources that only people will be able to provide. And so I think what's on us and what's incumbent on leadership in HR right now is to make sure that we're thinking about technology in the smartest way for our people and making sure we're leveraging technology in the areas where technology is, in fact, the best. Mm -hmm. um, and often that scale, its reach, 
there's no way I will have a army of HR people that I can actually personalize an experience for a retail field athlete that sits in New York City. Technology will be the way I reach that employee. Technology will be the way I support that employee. And then there's going to be times when only humans can provide the level of support that an employee or a business needs. And so I think we've got to just sort out, like what is technology, what's technology really going to fuel and you know, sort of become the foundation? And then what are those things that really humans will continue to be the primary way that we want to interact with one another and deliver value for the business and our people? It's, it's not one or the other, it's really the combination of the two. Fantastic. Um, just before I let you go, I guess I would love, you gave a keynote to about 600 human resources professionals, and now you know, you've had, uh, been generous enough with your time to sit down with me. Are there one or two takeaways you want people to think about a little further based on what you've contributed at this HR event? Well, it just, I, I think HR is in a fantastic spot right now, and I think, I think HR professionals should feel proud of how we've helped our people and our businesses and our leaders come through such challenging times. And I want to make sure that everyone stays, you know, confident and innovative in the role that we will continue to play in the business environment. Um, I just, I think we can't lose our confidence and, and the swag we have around how much we've helped our business and our leaders and teams accomplish. And, and the other is we just have to stay open because you know, part of staying at Nike for 24 years is I've always been open to different ways of doing things. And I, I don't mind challenging the way that I, in fact, have done something myself for many years if I think there's a better way. And I think HR leaders have to be open to new ways of doing things and that ability to stay curious and open and agile and work with others in solving big issues. Sometimes that can feel a little scary um, but I think that's the way to solve these big, complex issues. And I heard a number of the speakers on the stage today talk about that. So maybe that is a reminder, too, of just stay stay curious and open and learn new ways. What a, what a fantastic piece of advice. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, great to talk to you, too. <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon. 